Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, February 1st. Alberta's UCP government is proposing strict legislation around parental consent for name changes in schools and age limits on gender affirmation care for young people, among other things. We discuss the impact of these proposed changes with trans rights activist Tammy Plunkett. Next, what power does art have to educate? We catch up with Robert Small, artist and Order of Canada recipient, to hear how he uses his art to highlight the accomplishments of black Canadians as we observe Black History Month. And finally, if faced with an emergency at home, do you and your family have a plan? From smoke alarms to carbon monoxide detectors, we discuss the essentials you need in your home and what steps you should take to safeguard your family in an emergency with Carol Henke, Public Information Officer with the Calgary Fire Department. On the issue of gender reassignment treatments for minors. For minors age 17 and under, top and bottom gender reassignment surgeries will not be permitted. For children age 15 and under, Puberty blockers and hormone therapies for the purpose of gender reassignment or affirmation will also not be permitted. All right, that was a clip from Premier Danielle Smith during her taped announcement yesterday. Uh, Overall, the uh, UCP government here in Alberta proposing strict legislation around parental consent for name changes in schools, age limits on gender affirmation care. Uh, Those are just a couple of the things impacted by the sweeping changes proposed to Alberta's student gender identity sports and surgery policies. Joining us to talk more about it this morning, author and trans rights advocate Tammy Plunkett. Hi, Tammy. Hello. Thanks for joining us uh, once again. Your, your thoughts sort of overall on the the video that was released last night by the Premier. I, I'm just absolutely heartbroken for the families and the youth that it's going to affect. I think that none of it is founded in science. And with my own lived experience, I it's just going to devastate the lives and, and put in danger the lives of so many youth. And it's... It, so many youth and yet it is such a small percentage of the population that it feels like our kids are being used as political pawns. I believe the stat, Tammy, this is your world, it was something in the area of 0.3, like 0.33%. Is that what you're hearing as far as the transgender Canadians? I think that's, that sounds probably like the amount of people who go for gender-affirming care. Uh, I've seen things closer to 1% to 4%, and that's the important thing is that transgender people don't all need medication and surgery. So sometimes it is just choosing a different pronoun and how they express their gender in their clothing and hairstyle. And uh, But there are people who do need the medical interventions, and this is taking away those rights um, and it, it's just devastating. And, and you know, we could talk, there are many things to unpack, obviously, with this that we can chat with you about. And, and you know, one of them, and it seems like this is, feeds into exactly what you said about this just being, you know, something we can use as a political football. But uh, the Premier announcing uh, bans on children under 17 from having top and bottom surgery. But bottom surgery, they can't already have that. It's limited to adults. So why is this even and- a thing? Yeah, they can't have it. They can't have top surgery under the age of 18 in Alberta right now either. My children, my son had to wait for his top surgery. So she's just saying that we are not performing surgery on children. So like that, that doesn't even need to be said. But the, I'm extremely upset about the hormone blockers Mm -hmm. because that needs to happen before puberty sets in because it prevents further intervention later on in life. 
Yeah, and that's the whole point of those blockers, right, is to get at to these kids. And this does not alter them permanently forever. This is something that they can do until they're a little bit older, can make better decisions, maybe a different decision, maybe the same decision. But those blockers need to happen at a certain age. And by banning it, it outright, it's a huge, it seems a huge government overstep here. It absolutely is. And, you know, and, and the irony of parental rights. I mean, parents, I, I did more research on all of this as a parent just because I wanted to protect my child, children. And the best way to protect our children is to affirm them. So it, it, I need rights as a parent, and it, it just blows my mind that they're just overstepping everyone. They're overstepping medical professionals. They're overstepping psychiatrists. They're overstepping psychologists. They're over. It, they just are doing this sweeping action, and it doesn't make any sense at all. It is interesting, and I know you're going to be following it. The news conference is at one thirty this afternoon, and we'll be carrying it. And hopefully, we'll have the opportunity to get clarity. We'll get questions from uh, professional media as well. So uh, we appreciate it and thank you for your time. If we, if you don't mind, we'd like to probably check in with you again in the, in the coming days. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. That is trans right activist Tammy Plunkett, author as well. You can find out more about what she does at Tammy Plunkett. That's P-L-U-N-K-E-T-T dot com. What power does art have to educate and really inform? And how significant have the contributions of black Canadians been to the fabric of our country? Today marks the start of Black History Month. And joining us to chat once again, Robert Small, Order of Canada recipient, artist and creator of the Legacy Poster. Good morning, Robert. Thanks for joining us again. Yeah, good morning. Great to be back. Appreciate you being back here with us. Tell us a little bit to start about the Legacy pro, uh, Poster Project, the, the mission in preserving and celebrating black history. Yeah, well, the Legacy, the Legacy Poster has been, has been ongoing for 30 years now. This is my 30th year doing it. I create a poster that features uh, between four to six African Canadians who achieve great things. And I distribute the poster across uh, Canada. The Bank of Montreal will be displaying a miniature version of the poster and all of their branches across Canada. And it's been an inspirational uh, journey. It's really a journey to educate people about black history, specifically here in Canada, through the individuals that I profile, as well as the history that they share in each province that they live in. And Robert, I think we can all agree, uh, art, we all love art. It has a special place in our heart. It, and it just, it doesn't matter what type of art, maybe, uh, you know, different styles and different sizes for different individuals. Uh, but as far as using art as an educational tool, tell us about that, how you see that fitting in. Well, I see it fitting in to tell the story of African Canadians specifically because it creates the energy around our stories. Oftentimes when people talk about history, they always talk about that, like statistically like it in a way. But with respect to my art, I try to animate the individuals, making them make you feel like as if you can, uh, you can see their kind of characteristics, their strength, their passion through the betrayals that, that I've made. I've given, given AI and everything that's impacted my art and well, specifically the poster, where I have to keep a, keep up the date with the times. I don't feature my artwork on my poster as much anymore, even though there is a picture that I painted of the sea on the poster that I featured this year. But it's really been powerful in order to focus my artwork throughout my throughout my career 
to to basically inform other African Canadian artists what they can do with their artwork and tell a million stories through one picture. Robert, I, I know when I was growing up, certainly we focused a lot of attention on African Americans and the history of, of black folks in the U.S. And, and frankly, not enough about the impact black Canadians have had on our own culture. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I, I, I had to deal with that specifically when I was here and with, with being a Canadian myself, born and raised here, because I would only learn about Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, and that was it, pretty much. I, I was left on my own to find out more things about myself. So needless to say, like I feel very gifted uh, and rewarding to be able to inform uh, Canadians across Canadians, period, about the contribution of African Canadians and telling African Canadian history through my artwork. All right, so you do your thing. It's not just you appreciating it, but get very much involved. And, and I want to ask you about the, the importance to get involved if I'm a black Canadian uh, as far as spreading the message. And, and how, how, how can a, a black Canadian maybe listening to this say, hey, listen, it is Black History Month. I want to share, you know, what's important to me. What's a great uh, way to open that door? Yeah, well, a great way to open the door is, is one, to read to read about the contributions of African Canadians, but also uh, purchasing my posters, because I featured over 100 different uh, individuals on my posters, so you can get a, a quick recap by just walking down the hallway and putting them on the wall. And even uh, Cheryl Fogel, who lives in Calgary, Alberta, she's featured on my poster this year, and uh, she's a Canadian author, a documentary, and a film director. So, and then there's John Ware, who's out of Calgary, Alberta as well, uh, who is a historical cowboy. So there's so many different stories you can pick up uh, just by viewing my posters, but really looking, researching about African Canadians in your public library or, or just on your desktop. You know, Robert, you're a, an Order of Canada recipient. What did that mean to you, you know, in terms of, of, of the why behind it? Yeah, well, I, ever since getting this Order of Canada or receiving the Order of Canada, uh, I've been, I, I'm basically representing Canada, I find, right? Because really, there's many people who have heard about the Order of Canada, but they don't know what exactly it is, so I have to explain it to them. That's not an award, like they see people getting an award. And um, just, and I, I guess get, by getting the Order of Canada, it brings it closer to home to a lot of people who otherwise marginalized from receiving the Order of Canada because they would always see people that don't look like them getting the Order of Canada. So I think it's important for myself to represent uh, the Order uh, of Canada, but in addition to be an inspiration to others who are arts-oriented to know that they can possibly get this honor by just being themselves and doing what they wish to do like I did and, and receive it. Thank you so much. We love every opportunity to, to have you on the program, uh, Robert, and a happy Black History Month to you and your family. And uh, tip of the hat to all you do. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for having me back on the program again. I appreciate it. Hey, you're a regular. Yeah, you're part of the family. <laughs> Definitely. Thanks. Definitely. <laughs> thanks so much, Robert. We appreciate it. Okay, thanks a lot. Robert Small, Order of Canada recipient, it's kind of a big deal, artist and creator of the Legacy Poster, something we've talked about on the program before. If you want to actually see them, hop online to thelegacyposter.com.
And a scary situation for the Schultz family this week. And Andy didn't get much sleep because a couple of times his carbon monoxide detector was going off. He got the appropriate help because he had a monitor and a detector in his home. So joining us to talk about the importance of all the parts of an emergency plan for you and your family is Carol Hankey, Public Information Officer with the Calgary Fire Department. Hi, Carol. Oh, hello, Sue and Andy. How are you guys? Really good. Thank you. A pleasure to chat with you and uh, you and your team maybe just saved the lives of our friend Andrew Schultz and his family. Um, and it's interesting to me because Andy didn't, wasn't 100% sure that that would have, should have been his first phone call was to the Calgary Fire Department. Is that always who we go to first in this kind of a situation when you're, I mean, maybe, maybe there are people who don't even know when your smoke detector goes off. Do you worry about the detector or do you call the fire department immediately, Carol? So, I mean, the first part is being familiar with your devices. So the carbon monoxide alarm makes a different sound than the smoke alarm does. And it's probably easier to determine whether you have a real fire emergency in your house than if you have a carbon monoxide emergency because a fire... Uh, if you're awake and you hear the smoke alarm and you go to look to see what caused the smoke alarm to go off, uh, you're going to see if there's a fire. You're going to smell if there's smoke if you're awake. With carbon monoxide, it's colorless, odorless, tasteless, non-irritating. You will not know it's there unless you started feeling some symptoms of carbon monoxide poisoning, but you can't smell it. And having a working carbon monoxide alarm really is the only way to know that you have an issue in your house. And then it depends on what type of alarm do you have? Do you have one with a digital readout? Because if it says 10 parts per million, that's... Uh, still unacceptable you want it to be zero but it's a different level of emergency than if it says 500 parts per million or like a recent incident we had in an apartment building where it was a thousand parts per million and really if you're exposed to that for approximately an hour it's fatal so it's it is really important to know the difference between the sounds of your devices and with carbon monoxide, absolutely call 911 if uh, you're unsure if your alarm is faulty or if it is an actual carbon monoxide emergency. Keep in mind, 85 to 90 percent of all the carbon monoxide calls we respond to are typically due to um, people not being familiar with their device, and it's either uh, the battery's low or the device has expired. But we are always happy to come and make sure that your environment is safe and that you don't have a carbon monoxide issue in your home. And, and like in my house, Carol, uh, it was interesting because uh, just to chronicle and bring it back on Monday night, 8.30, I go to bed early. Don't judge me. I get up early. Um, and <laughs> we're, we're lying in bed, and I heard this almost like a the telephone-ish sound that I'd never heard before, a, a series of beeps. Said to my wife, is your phone on? Is my, no, my phone's not. Maybe one of the teens left an iPad on, and I determined it was coming from the basement, still thinking it's an electronic, uh, you know, device. Find out that it is, because I'd never in my life heard my carbon mm. monoxide alarm go off. Thank goodness I heard it and distinguished it as different. Um, but, you know, it, it was interesting to me. I know it works now, and it's uh, just a little over three years old, but I want to bring it back to the clarity surrounding the date, because it said February 2020. The CFD, or your, 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 uh, uh, your co-workers said, yep, that means, it, you know, you have 10 years, you have a 10-year life. These are things that a lot of people don't know, that these things can expire, Carol, as you'd mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. Smoke alarms have a 10-year lifespan. So if anyone out there who's listening has lived in their 
home for longer than 10 years and has not replaced their smoke alarms, it is time to do so right now. Um, also, you bring up a good point. If, if you only have one carbon monoxide alarm in your house, we actually recommend putting it close to your sleeping area or inside your sleeping area because then you're most likely to hear it in the middle of the night. Let's say that you had gone to sleep, you're in a deep sleep and your CO alarm activates, but it's down in the basement in the furnace room. The likelihood of you hearing it in a timely manner uh, are slim to none so it's really important if you just have one carbon monoxide alarm put it close to your sleeping area so that you can hear it as soon as it goes off carol just back to the smoke detectors even the hardwired ones they expire after 10 years we should replace those as well the higher hardwired into our home's wiring system Absolutely. The only real difference between a hardwired smoke alarm and a battery-operated one is the power source. So it doesn't change the lifespan of the alarm. And hardwired ones uh, hopefully have a battery backup. So if you're changing them out, get, get ones uh, with a battery backup because... We have experienced power outages in the city and when are you most likely to use alternative heating or lighting sources like candles which can possibly increase your risk of fire so having uh, replacing them with uh, ones that have a battery backup and then those batteries need to be changed out uh, once a year at minimum as well when you are testing your smoke alarms monthly make sure that the power source is working and that everyone in the family is familiar with what that sound is and what they need to do when they hear that sound. Very important mm -hmm. stuff. And, and as far as, like, for example, I ended up, um, we had actually some textures, Carol, saying they have up to four or five carbon uh, monoxide detectors in their home. I ended up buying another one. But yes, when faced with the, the decision to, to buy one, I mean, if you have a wired one, that, that, that's a whole different kettle of fish. Uh, but if I decide to buy a, a carbon monoxide alarm, for example, how do I choose between, you know, uh, AC power and battery or one with a battery backup? Is there a better one? Or how, how do you make that decision? So we can't uh, recommend a particular brand, although there's one name that has 80% of the market share for alarms. Having one with a, a plug-in one with a battery backup and a digital readout so that when your carbon monoxide alarms, it will tell you how many parts per million in the environment. And when you call 911, you'll share that information and they'll give you the proper advice on what to do based on what you tell them. Carol, just before we let you go, I want to talk about the actual emergency plan. What does that encompass? What do we need to teach our kids of all ages, and even if there are no kids, for the adults in the home, what's the plan? So, first of all, you need to have two ways out of every sleeping area. You want to make sure that your smoke alarms are tested monthly, that they're working, and that everyone in the family knows what that sound is and what to do. And the two ways out are really important because typically we'd use the door, but what if there's too much smoke in the hallway and it's not safe to go that way because really after a couple of breaths of house fire smoke, you're rendered incapable of self-rescuing. So if your bedroom is on a second floor, every bedroom that's on a second or third floor should have a home escape ladder. You can buy those at any large home improvement store. You want to have a meeting place that's out in front of your house that is a fixed location, so not the yellow car that usually parks in front of your house uh, but 
uh, and not the fire hydrant because we're going to need that possibly. So uh, someplace that's fixed and nearby your house that everyone is aware of, that's where we meet no matter how you get out of the house, that's where we meet. Because the most important thing fire crews want to know when we show up at a house fire Did everyone make it out? Mm -hmm. And it's especially important to keep in mind if you have anyone with mobility issues, be they permanent mobility issues or temporary ones, uh, and and include your pets in the planning. And we have great information on our website. We have a template you can download. And it's, it's just really important to practice it twice a year. Great and timely tips. Mm-hmm. Uh, 365 days a year should be top of mind, uh, but uh, somehow that is not the case. Thank you so much for your time, Carol. We appreciate it. Oh, anytime, you guys. Take care. Good be stuff. safe. Carol Henke, Calgary Fire Department Public Information Officer.